When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Today. I am Kida Cummings with you all the way through until midday. Dr. Chris Smith. Good morning. How are you, Chris? Good morning. No, I'm great. You? I'm very, 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 very good, sir. Good indeed. On the issue of kids going back to school, Chris, during winter with COVID-19, just in your mind, what are some of the key things we need to be really mindful of? The thing to bear in mind, first of all, is that children are at the lowest risk of having major problems with the new coronavirus. They have the lowest level of complications. So first of all, a point of reassurance to people who might be worried about this, the likelihood of them having a major problem is really low. So that's the first thing. I think that um, schools are going to continue in all countries when the kids go back to try to maintain social distancing and minimise spread within schools for obvious reasons. So that's another safeguard. There is a chance that children will pick this up and pass it on at school. And this means there is a chance that they could bring it home to mum and dad. So with that in mind, it is important to be vigilant because if you have elderly relatives, other at-risk individuals at home, it might be worth thinking about how you minimise the risk of transmission under those circumstances. If someone becomes unwell, is there any way of making sure that you can you can isolate the, the ill person away from everybody else to minimise the chances of them transmitting things? Is there any way you can protect the person who is most vulnerable so that they're not exposed to people who might become unwell? So there's a range of things that, that need to be thought of and and being vigilant is part and parcel of that in order to yeah. spot the problems before they become a big problem. If if you've got a child who's not well, don't send them to school that day, for example. Um, and, and it's important in this country where, you know, the Gini coefficient, as you know, Chris, and you visit here often, um, Gini coefficient quite high. And where the poorer areas, we've got people who social distancing is unheard of, eight people living in a very small shack. And you don't want those students going home, taking them to elderly people or other people with comorbidities, yep. um, because that could spread in that area quite effectively. Well, Singapore have invest- shown this, haven't they? Because uh, Singapore did very well to control their infection in the first instance, and then mm. they relaxed things, and they've seen a big upsurge. But then you ask, well, where's the upsurge occurred? And it's actually among guest workers who have been living in really high-density accommodation. And yep. that shows that this preys on close proximity of people to spread. So you're quite right to highlight the fact that it's very, very, very difficult for some people under certain living conditions to observe social distancing. And under those circumstances, people have to do their best and try to maximise standards of hygiene and so on and keep away from people who might be infectious. But we all appreciate it is very, very difficult. And some people don't have the luxury of being able to say, I'll just use my third bathroom for, you know, the the kids to go or something like that. I mean, the sad thing in this country is that our one bedroom is probably, you know, the size of two shacks yep. where 12 people live. And that is the reality of South Africa. I've got a call from Pat in Simonstown. Pat, good morning. Good morning. I'm very interested in uh, Chris's opinion of masks. 
Um, as of from today, it is obligatory to, obligatory to wear them. Um, I have seen a couple of things in newsletters that I subscribe to from the States, from uh, medical um, people, who say that unless it's a surgical mask that fits the place properly, face properly, it's really not much use. And the only problem is when it's open at the sides and there are gaps when you move, if the droplets are nearby, it could be trapped behind, whereas you would be better with open air. What is your opinion? Hello, Pat. The answer to this is that... Um we are of the opinion, and there is some evidence that's now coming through as people begin to survey the literature in more detail, that there might be a protective effect, but it's small. But the protective effect is chiefly that you're protecting other people when you wear a mask. It's not for the benefit of the wearer, it's for the benefit of those around you. Yeah. And the reason or the rationale behind this argument is that when you cough and splutter and spray out virus particles and droplets that contain virus particles, they go into the air and other people can breathe them in. And for the reason you've highlighted, very often the masks have gaps all over the place and also the material is not very good at filtering out droplets or tiny particles. So wearers of masks are not really protected. But people who are spraying out those droplets, if they've got to force the droplets through the mask, it will help to mitigate the spread from that person. And so if you're observing social distancing and you're out and about around the shops and you stay away from other people, then that is the most powerful way in which you're going to protect yourself. And a mask doesn't add very much. But if you're in a situation yeah. where you're in a very crowded place, say you're on public transport, you're in a minicab or bus, train, under those circumstances, you've got sustained, prolonged, close contact to other people and you might be sitting next to someone who is symptomatic or you might be symptomatic if you're wearing a mask so the argument goes you might reduce the spread to those around you and that's really where this guidance is coming from it's trying to protect other people from you rather than protect you from other people and it's really about keeping that curve as flat as possible that's right uh, we'll take we'll take two calls um let's go to helene in edgemead now I, I don't know if this is a question for chris or just a bit of celebration uh but no. helene, <laughs> helene good morning hello kilo you remember me helene from blindly i do i do i took my dog for a walk and my daughter took her two little ones for a walk and i just want to tell you they all shouted all the way Thank you, Mr. Ramaphosa. They were so happy. Kilo. They couldn't stop barking and loving it and saying thank you. Yeah, I know. I mean, dogs have been out for, I mean, someone else called in this morning, Chris, and we weren't allowed to take dogs for walks for the last five weeks. Uh, we obviously couldn't go out unless you were going to the shop. And uh, people are saying the animals went absolutely ballistic. Not one surprised. female dog, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one female dog went absolutely crazy when the males walked by. So um, it's normally the other on. way around because I've got a boy dog. He's a, he's a growing up. He's a, yeah. still a puppy at the moment, but he's already. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think we're going to have a problem with this one. <laughs> we'll go to Jane and Elgin. Uh, just a quick one. We talk about masks and protective, um, how protective they are, right? And obviously you said it's about keeping the, 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 the curve as flat as possible and not spreading COVID-19. But what about the N95 mask? What makes that so special? And how does that compare to the KN95 mask from China? 
I've no idea about that, to be honest okay. with you. But what I can say is that masks fall into several categories and they vary in terms of the level of protection afforded to the wearer. And it okay. goes from masks that are very good at protecting other people from you through to masks that are very good at protecting you from other people. And the kinds of masks that healthcare professionals will be, will be wearing when they're in, in hospital caring for very sick people who may be very infectious, those will be FFP3 masks. Those ones form a really tight seal around the nose and mouth. And when combined with eye protection to make sure virus doesn't land on your eye, infect your eye tissues or drain into your nose and infect your nose via that route, those masks and the material they're made from have a really high stringency. They can exclude particles and droplets smaller than the sizes of these viruses. So as a result, they protect the wearer very well. The kinds of surgical masks that we often see people wearing, they're quite good uh, at arresting big stuff that you blow out from your nose and mouth and that's why surgeons wear them because they don't want to cough and splutter into the abdomen of the person they're operating on and put potentially bacteria and and big stuff into their patient although you often see people pull them down and they've got the mask dangling below their nose which always baffles me but hints to the point that they are very uncomfortable to wear for prolonged periods of time but because they're there to act as a barrier from stuff spraying out of the nose and mouth they are designed to make it easy to breathe in and they do that by having gaps around the side of the mouth and so when you breathe in the air comes in that way and of course if you're in a cloud of virus because someone's just coughed near you you could breathe in virus via that route and that's why hospital staff don't use those so much they use the the high stringency ffp3 protection and people who we want to stop spraying out viruses and and bacteria and other muck into the environment you give them a surgical mask because then it arrests the flow of droplets away from that person and minimizes the likelihood they're gonna gonna put appreciable virus into the air it works at least for a while we think we are joined by the amazing dr chris smith the naked scientist and we'll tell you where to get him online. If you're new to the show, you have to go and check out his stuff. It's actually quite fabulous. Um, let's go to Mavis. Mavis in Gordon's Bay. Hi there, Mavis. Okay, sorry about that. No problem. Um, we, uh, quite a few of us have, were discussing that we're dreaming horrific dreams since this lockdown has happened. Is that anything to do? I know it sounds a simple, stupid question, but... but you know, we're really having nightmares. I yeah. had one too, so no. Um, I think, oh. And my wife did too, by the way. Yeah, lots of people are saying so this. So this is obviously yeah. something that, what is causing it? That's what I thought Chris could answer. Maybe, yeah, Chris, mm, lockdown you're, you're five weeks. in good company, Mavis. Other people are saying the same things. There's a number of reasons to account for this. One of them is that people are going to bed earlier because they feel that they've got less to do and then they don't want to watch the news because it's the same old stuff again and again and again. More bad news, so people are heading off to bed earlier. So they're actually sleeping for longer, so they're having more detailed dreams because your most detailed richest dreams happen latest in your sleep cycle and uh, some people don't sleep for long enough to get to that stage very often because they're chronically deprived of sleep so we're offering ourselves a chance to sleep properly for the first time in ages in many cases there's also less noise in the mornings because there's no traffic or less traffic so people are tending to sleep more naturally and sleep better so they're having richer dreams and also when you're stuck indoors with less stimulation going on and less to distract you you're more likely to ruminate over things that are bad and then during the night time those sorts of things may resurface under certain circumstances in your sleep pattern 
pattern and cause dreams and rich dreams and in some cases nightmares you tend to remember the ones that are worst because they make an impression on you ones that are just kind of gobbledygook type dreams that we all have most people put them out of their mind and just think oh that was a daft dream wasn't it but you remember the nightmares because they make a big impression on you so i think it's a combination of uh, the fact that we're all sleeping slightly differently therefore having more opportunity to dream and we're remembering the the ones that make an impression on us the really nasty ones um and possibly the nice ones as well and therefore we think we're dreaming more but we're, we're probably not we're probably just noticing it more now Oh, wonderful. Thanks for that, Mavis. Have a wonderful, safe weekend. OK, let's move on to Amanda in Somerset West. Hi, Amanda. Good morning. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Um, my question just is, as we start to gradually go back to work, um, a lot of us work in uh, workspaces that are open plan. Would Chris say that the uh, partitions, the screens that we have between our desks, would they be better if they were plastic or perspex or is a fabric-based? screen uh, does that give enough protection and what heights would he say that we would need you know if we set it to desk how do we ineffectively you know manage to go back to work safely mm. if we're in an open plan office or even a call center yeah, yeah. question tricky one amanda the answer is that i wouldn't go for anything fabric anywhere ever because as hospitals have found out this can be a real pain to clean because microorganisms both bacteria and viruses and also fungi can cling to fabrics and because fabrics are harder because they have a high surface area they're less resilient to the kinds of chemicals that get rid of uh, nasties quickly they're much harder to clean up i would say if you're going to put anything uh, in, in in the way any kind of barriers i would i would always use a surface that's uh, that's easy to clean and something that's also resilient against some of the um, more potent cleaning products like strong detergents or alcohols or um, some of these things like bleach or peroxide-based cleaning products, because then you know you can sterilise surfaces. Same for desk surfaces as well. Avoid avoid fluffy fluffy things in the environment, soft chairs and that mm. kind of thing, because they are harder to clean. Very, very difficult with offices, this one, and people are beginning to look at this. They're beginning to model the airflow in offices, because often offices are air-conditioned. They'll put the air conditioner yeah. in the centre of the room and it just blows air out downwards and, and across the room. And what it's doing is creating all these air currents that waft whatever anything is in the air, wafted all over the place. And even if you do observe a two-metre social distancing from somebody else, their airflow, because of the airflow in the building, pretty soon becomes yeah. your airflow. So people are beginning to look at this very carefully, and it's not just as simple as saying, I'll sit further away because of situations like this. And also so don't forget, there's your journey to work, there's where you go for your lunch, etc. Many other factors. So this is not going to be easy. And as uh, one of our former government ministers, David Willits, was telling me on a programme we made at the weekend, the repercussions of this industrially will be enormous. We're potentially telling our airlines to run their aeroplanes with every other seat vacant. We're telling our underground and our train operators to wall off every other seat so that people are forced to stay away oh. from each other the economic impact of this because you can't just magic up more mm. trains you can't just say okay well we, exactly. we're going to have half as many seats so now we're going to fly twice as many airplanes and run twice as many trains we haven't got the rolling stock so same with offices which is why the people are saying probably one solution will be 
perhaps a, a rolling program of who works from home on certain days, who comes in yeah. on certain days, rolling shifts, who comes to work at what time when they go home, and mm. ma- maximise contact when it needs to happen, but minimise contact when it doesn't need to happen. And maybe this is what people are dubbing the new normal. And at the moment, I don't think anyone has any clear answers, but it probably will go beyond just putting up screens in the office and thinking about where we sit. Yeah. And a final quick one from Bernard and Clifton. Hi, Bernard. Hi, just a question, Doctor, about the possibility. One of the problems of the virus is that it has to enter your body through your nose, eyes, or mouth. Now, the main way that it'll get to your face is if you touch your face. Would not a shield be far more protection? Because with a shield, you cannot touch your face at all. Hi, Bernard. Well, remember that um, it is a respiratory infection, so the air that you breathe, if there are droplets in there that someone's coughed out that have virus in them, you're going to breathe that in and it's going to settle in your nose and throat. And and therefore, it's not just about shielding, it, it's about the air that you breathe in too, which is why people very, very closely exposed, like healthcare workers, are wearing masks that will prevent that from happening. But also don't don't neglect the fact that your eyes can also be a route of infection. This is where social distancing comes in. This is where observing a greater distance from other people really helps because any virus is, we hope, not going to travel that greater distance between you and the next door person. So if you're observing that uh, religiously, it should mean that you wouldn't need to have, uh, say, a, a shield around your head because the uh, distance between you and the possible other source of infection is, is going to be minimised. You're right about transferring virus with, with your hands to your eyes, nose and mouth though and that's where the whole idea about hand washing comes in. Wash your hands if you've touched any surfaces because then you won't put the virus onto your face um, via that route. Great having you as always Chris. Have a safe weekend sir. Thanks Kino. Have a great weekend everyone. Stay safe, stay well and see you next time.